Welcome to the MIND podcast. MIND stands for Michigan's New Educators. This podcast is a place where new educators and their guests offer encouragement and insight into a profession understood by few, but talked about by many. So whether you are an educator, love an educator, want to be an educator, or just want to learn more about us, we're glad you're here. Each episode features early career educators and guests brought together by the Michigan Education Association. The MEA is here to help educators at all stages of their careers. That's the school bell, signaling it's time to start. So welcome to the MIND podcast. Today's topic is weathering the political storm. And what we are going to talk about today with our guests is some of the the influences that politics have on public schools and teachers in general, and what we should know as educators in order to make sure that we are meeting the needs of our students and meeting our own needs and how we can work within the political arena that exists. So with me today, I have Sky, who is a teacher in Lansing, and Roger, she's a she's one of the mind coordinators, so she's an early career educator. We have Roger, who is out of Birch Run, a teacher out of Birch Run. He has a little bit more experience, and as a poli sci major, he has a lot more knowledge than even I do about this topic. And Tan, who is a Uniserv director involved in political action and politics on behalf of her members and on behalf of MEA. So welcome, everybody. Okay. So I thought we would start with why politics even matter in education. So maybe a little history lesson. Roger, you want to take that one? Sure. Well, as you know, you know, schools are funded by the state of Michigan and anytime money is going to be spent, tax dollars are going to be spent. People are going to have interest in how those tax dollars get spent. And so the way uh, the way they're spent and where they go and how they're allocated at the local school districts makes them fodder, especially in Lansing and all state capitals in how, what happens with it and, and how they, um, you know, get used. That's kind of the same thing, but, but it basically involves politics. And so politicians then of course have pet projects they want to see and um, they want results and that gets done through various means of testing and holding teachers and schools accountable. And so therefore enter Department of Education, enter, you know, um, oversight groups, enter Mackinac Center, enter everything and everybody that's got an opinion. And just because you sat in a class for 12 years, you know, everybody has an opinion on how school should operate and, and everybody knows how to do it better than we do. And um, bottom line is, if we don't advocate for ourselves, which we tend not to do very well, um, people that don't know a lot about the behind the scenes and how to best educate often are left out and don't have a voice in the room. I think that's the most important part. Um, one of the things that you said that I think some people don't realize is, yes, we understand that they set the per pupil allowance and how much money each school district is going to get, but even they have control over how much testing we do or to a certain extent, what the content is that we teach or the curriculum is that we teach. And often it feels as if they don't have educators at the table. Have you found that to be true? Absolutely. When education policy gets, gets you know, hammered out in Lansing, we're in the classroom. And so 
oftentimes the day-to-day experiences that we have are then taken up a notch and, and handled by administration, you know, organizations. And of course, therefore policies that get, you know, made are, you know, punted to the, you know, the administration and, oh, this will be okay. Teachers will like this. And so that's why, you know, as you become a teacher and the longer you watch things and learn things, it's, it's why you start to realize the importance of organizations like MEA and, and unions, because when we're in the classroom doing the thing we get paid to do, which is teaching, you then have people that are going to bat for us and are in Lansing or in the state capitals um, advocating for our desires and our wishes, because at oftentimes that's what administration wants. So Tammy, do you find that when you are dealing, your your whole job is advocacy. So when you find that you're dealing with sort of bridging the gap between policies and administrative issues and legislative issues and your teachers, do you find that there's anything in particular that you have been successful in doing to get teachers to want to be involved? I guess I would start by first just sharing that I've been a UNICEF director working on staff with the Michigan Education Association for just over five years. Prior to that, I was a teacher in the classroom myself. As a teacher in the classroom, I didn't realize the impact that politics has on the profession. Um, As a staff member, I've only been involved in politics for probably the last three years. But over the course of those three years, I've become very passionate about it because I now see just how much influence um, legislation has over the classroom. Uh, Things that we used to be able to bargain collectively uh, at the local level have been um, changed legislatively to become prohibitive subjects. And so now we're not able to bargain collectively over a number of topics. And so those things, um, teacher evaluation is a great example. Uh, Michigan Merit Curriculum is another great example. Those are things that used to be decided locally that are now entirely decided in Lansing. So um, yeah, I definitely see the importance of making sure that the teacher's voice is heard in Lansing. I think that it goes beyond just what our lobbyists are able to do. Like Roger said, um, political organizations, unions, we all have lobbyists that go to Lansing. The Michigan Michigan Education Association used to have seven lobbyists and due to budget cuts, we've trimmed that down to only two. So right now we only have two full-time lobbyists on staff that go and advocate for teachers. Um, Teachers aren't able to be there, like Roger said, in Lansing because they are teaching in the classroom. So they need someone that's going to represent them and bring their voice to those conversations. Uh, We do have opportunity through ledge councils, which I know is a little bit later on your agenda, to talk directly with our state house representatives and with our state senators, and also um, with with the board of ed, the state board of ed members, to talk about what we see and our experiences, so that they they being the people making those decisions in Lansing can better understand the impacts of those decisions on us in the classroom. I think that's that's a really key point is the idea of the decisions that somebody makes somewhere else really do have an impact on our students and on our teachers. Roger. I think uh, Tammy and I have sat in ledge councils together and the thing I keep hearing from state reps, state senators, is they don't really know a lot about education. And so they make decisions based upon what they hear. And if they're only hearing from 
constituents who they're only hearing from um, other organizations that maybe don't support teachers, they think that we're fine and go along with it. And so sometimes we'll be sitting at dinner and talking to talking to these um, legislators and we'll give an example. And they're like, we didn't know that. Or even the historical context that's been lost in Lansing due to term limits has had a severe negative impact on, on what policies we now live under by people that are no longer in Lansing and just are detrimental to the educational career. I think that one of the things the pandemic taught us that I already knew and everybody on this call already knew, but I think some people don't realize is how adaptable teachers just make it work. And so I think that that sometimes that's part of the problem when we're dealing with politics is whatever the policy is, we still know how to make things work for our kids and we will work around whatever it is that they say. But Sky, you are a relatively new teacher and you already, because I'll tell you, when I was first teaching, I didn't see the value of being involved in political action. But Sky, already early on, you're in. So what made you get involved? Um, I got involved because honestly, my first year, I didn't have the best experiences in the classroom. Um, a lot of it had to do with policy um, and like administrative um, problems that we were having. Um, I started getting involved politically because I realized, wow, um, politics really do influence every single thing we do in the classroom. <laughs> um, down to even class size. I had 35 students in my in my class, my first year as an educator. <laughs> um, so, and as a fourth and fifth grade teacher on top of that on the elementary level. So um, yeah, politics really do influence every little thing. Um, evaluations too. I, I mean, I feel like in college, they don't really always teach um, the politics side of it. Uh, they don't warn you how politics influence your, your teaching career. Um, they don't teach you about evaluations enough um, or how that a percentage of your test scores um, and, or growth in your classroom can influence your evaluations. That's all politics. Um, I had no idea. And it was such a, a shock to me my first year. And um, after my first year, you know, I kind of just like, wow, I, I really need to get more involved. I need to pay attention because I feel like politicians don't always know what's happening in the, in the classroom, like Roger was saying. Um, and teachers need to have a voice in, in politics to let them know, hey, this is, this is what our students need to thrive. This is what our teachers need to thrive. Um, we know our students best. We know how the classroom works the best. So why wouldn't we be involved? Right. And one of the things that Tammy said really struck, which was the idea that we don't, MEA doesn't even have as many people who are doing this work full time as we used to, which I think lends itself to why it's even more important than ever for classroom teachers to be willing to step up and do this type of work. But we kind of got ahead of ourselves when we started talking about things that are very specific that it took me a while to learn what they are. So I thought we could take a step back and learn what some of these topics are. So, Tammy, you mentioned ledge councils. Can you explain what a ledge council is? Ledge councils are facilitated by MEA staff members, um, but they're completely ran and um, the discussion, the topics are completely decided upon our members. 
So uh, pre-COVID, we used to meet for dinner at a local restaurant. And so we would meet with House representatives or state senators or school board members. And we would meet with a group of about 10 members that um, either live or work within that that area, that, um, that district. And then we would just simply have a free flow conversation. I mean, there's no particular agenda that's drafted. Um, there's, there's no goal in the meeting itself other than to just get to know your legislator and have the legislator get to know our members. Um, it's surprising how many times we've had comments that you know, legislators have said, wow, like, you know, your educators are really great people. And that always takes me a little back because like, why wouldn't they be great people? Um, as teachers, I guess I just always thought that that you had a you know a certain amount of influence in your community or, or with your legislators. And surprisingly, I think more often than not, educators get a bad reputation in Lansing. And so I think it's really important that our legislators have an opportunity to get to know our educators as individuals, as people. Um, to build those relationships is very important. I think so that directly impacts, oh, I'm sorry. Did you no, have a question? No, keep going. I think that directly impacts the way that they vote and the bills that they draft in Lansing. I have a great example. Um, we met with Senator Horn over in the Frankenmuth area with our teachers that live and work within his district. And he was you know, instrumental in, in helping to bring about the third grade reading laws. Um, and I think it's important to know that our legislators, I don't think they have ill intention when they draft legislation. I think it's for very good intended purposes. Um, but it wasn't until he sat and talked with some of our elementary teachers that he really understood the impact of those third grade reading laws and the amount of time that those teachers are spending with our you know, young, fragile population, testing them again and again and again and, and drafting those documents that go along with that legislation. He had no idea. And then when he had an opportunity to really hear firsthand from our elementary teachers that lived and worked within his district, how that it was impacting them in the classroom and how that was impacting the students, the amount of instruction time that it was taking away from the students, I think that completely changed his perspective on what those laws do and how those, those, those laws impact us. Do you feel that as a result of this, they're more likely to reach out and say, hey, I, I have this idea for a law that might impact secondary social studies. Let me reach out to Roger, who's a secondary social studies teacher and find out. Yes, we absolutely are seeing that be the impact of these ledge councils because they feel like they have relationships with educators that are in the classroom and not just educators, but with support personnel as well. They've built these relationships. They have these contacts. Um, they often will reach out to me. It's not unusual for me to get a text from one of them when they're on the floor about to make a vote. You know, hey, what do your members think about X, Y, and Z? Um, it's also not uncommon for them. In fact, we've had a couple of our state senators reach out to us and say, we're going to be speaking you know, at the education committee about such and such. Do you have any teachers that you could send to Lansing that would give some perspective on this? And we've been able to provide testimony on the floor. And so that's been very helpful. And that's been a, a direct link to the work that we're doing in building relationships for ledge councils. I agree with you that I think most, not all, but most politicians probably do mean well, and they want to pass laws that they think would be helpful. And the third grade reading law in its theory, as a prime example, is not bad. We do want our kids to be able to read by third grade because it really does impact 
their education moving forward. However, there we don't necessarily have the wraparound services that would have been helpful to make sure that that was implemented in a way that would have been effective for the students and then better for the teachers as well. well and, and what happened, you know, when Senator Horn talked about that, he said, here's the intent. We as legislators, legislators, we want to do what's right by our students and we want to make education great. It then gets passed off to the bureaucrats and it landed into the Department of Education and then it worked its way down to the ISDs. And so all of the all of the, the cumbersome work that then got put in to implement the law wasn't even in the spirit of the law, just this is what we're going to make happen and, and you figure out how to do it. Like sometimes that minutia stuff isn't hammered out in the legislation, but then it gets interpreted by various levels, whether it's ISD or whether it's a local school district that then takes what they believe the law to be and then implements it in their own way. And it might not be uniform across the state. So do you ever have that conversation with your district or your SD? If you've had a situation where you're like, I was in the meeting with this person and I understand what his intent was when they are making the policy. Absolutely. Um, You know, my own principal uh, last year in the year before we were talking about the 40% down to the 25% and, you know, He's like, hey, you're in the know. You're you're talking to these uh, these people making decisions. Are you hearing any movement? And uh, then COVID, you know, happened, and we didn't get get the reprieve we were looking for. But um, literally, those those types of conversations start to happen when when administration knows, or districts, or other local leaders know that you have the ear of the legislatures, the senators, or the reps making those decisions. Um, so they, they know that for the first time we have a we have a say or a voice or some type of influence, which is really important. And the 40 to the 25 percent is the student growth portion of the evaluation for people who might not be teachers yet, but are listening to this podcast. Yep. So so basically a portion like the percentage of your evaluation and the goal of every educator is to get highly effective or an effective rating. Well, if a large chunk of that portion of your evaluation is is linked to um, student growth, if I teach all higher um, performing students, my growth, you know, could be really big or might not be as big as somebody who's teaching. You know, it depends on what you're teaching, how you're teaching, the way you're building set up. And so your evaluation, your year end evaluation that you are tied to um, could be affected based upon something that you have absolutely zero control over especially if the districts are using student growth off of standardized tests for the, for the vast majority of your. And for some teachers, I had colleagues who didn't teach any class that had anything to do with the, stand, with the SAT because I was a high school teacher. I'm an art teacher and I am held to how a kid performs in an, on the SAT and I don't even have that kid. Yep. So, all right, another thing that Tammy mentioned that I think we may need to define for people is lobbying. Who wants to take that one? Good, Danny. Well, lobbying, I think, is um, just simply the act of having direct conversation with your legislators. Um, I think typically we, we think of lobbying as being lobbyists who are employed for that purpose. Um, like we talked earlier, you know, MEA does employ two lobbyists. But really, lobbying is something that can be done by anybody, um, classroom teachers included. 
um, support staff included, um, just anyone out in the community that has an interest in something that's going on in politics can lobby by just simply having conversations with their legislators. And that can be something as simple as a phone call or an email or writing a handwritten personalized letter that you're going to send to them. Um, as well as participating in one of our ledge councils. But lobbying in and of itself is just expressing your interest in something that they're working on and um, having the intent of swaying a decision based on your personal experience. Excellent. Okay, so one of the other things that often comes up, because we keep talking about educator voice and we want educator voice to be there, but educators in this state are a diverse group of people who have lots of different interests and as a secondary teacher, maybe I didn't know much about elementary education and I didn't understand the impact of the third grade reading law and it sounded great to me. So one of the things that, that in this country we still hope happens is that we can elect candidates who will do what we would like them to do to make this country a, a great place. And so one of the things that I always found interesting is that my local or MEA would come out with a candidate endorsement. How did we figure out which candidates we want to endorse? We have a process um, that screens candidates and it's done at the court any council level. So if as an individual member, you belong to a local association, a group of local associations within a specific geographic area then belong to a coordinating council. And so at the coordinating council level, you would invite all of the all of the candidates that are running to come in and meet with a group. And that group is comprised of interested members from the coordinating council. And you would interview, um, do just like a simple question and answer session with each of the candidates that's running for office. And then based on the way that they answered those questions and the conversations that you had with them, that group, that group of educators votes on who they would like to recommend for that position. And then those recommendations from each coordinating council go to Lansing, and then Lansing puts together a list of recommended candidates. So the recommendations actually come from MEA members. And so that's called, if I hear screening and recommendation, that's what that means. That and anyone can participate. That my colleagues, if I didn't do it, my colleagues have decided who is the best candidate. And so do they, do we come up with the questions ourselves at our own coordinating council or are they provided? Are we asking all kinds of questions or are we just leaning towards public education issues? Um, the Michigan Education Association provides a standard list of questions. You can select off of that list, but you can also generate your own questions. Uh, the only requirement is that we only ask questions that pertain to public education. Um, we get a lot of inquiries, um, sometimes concerns, questions like, you know, is the organization only endorsing Republicans or is the only endorsing Democrats or um, how does that work in terms of like, you know, right to life laws or what are their positions on gun rights? Um, and it's really important from our standpoint that we're the Michigan Education Association. We're not affiliated with either political party. We interview with both Republicans and with Democrats. Um, either political party or either candidate has the option of receiving our recommendation. Uh, the only questions that we're gonna ask pertain to public education. So we don't ask them any questions. We don't gain any insight as to their views on anything that isn't related to public education. 
So if someone is interested in a candidate's views outside of the education realm, then they would have to do that research themselves. Our recommendations are only based on education. Awesome. Okay. And so then we hear all the time about how money influences politics and the equivalent of that for the union is, well, for everywhere is PAC. Mm -hmm. It's really important for our members to know that your dues dollars are, it's illegal for us to use dues dollars um, for any type of political activity. So your dues dollars are not used to endorse candidates or to influence legislation. Dues dollars cannot be used for that purpose. And so the only way that we have money to put to that end is through political action campaigns or what we call PAC funds. Um, so a lot of local associations will hold pack drives or they'll do like pack your lunch events or they'll do raffles, um, different ways to, to raise pack money, pack funds. And then those pack funds can be used to endorse local candidates for school board elections. They can be used to endorse um, House representatives, state senators, and it can also be used for a variety of um, like if you're trying to pass a millage or a bond in your area, those types of things they can use for that purpose as well. So when somebody comes around and says it's time to donate to PAC, you have to donate to PAC so that the people that we screened and recommended actually have some money behind them. Because unfortunately, it feels like sometimes there's a lot of money behind anti-public education candidates. For sure. Um, Roger, I know you guys at Birch Run do a lot, and I think you've even created some some items that you use to raffle off for PAC. Do you want to talk about some of your experiences? Yeah, I can. Um, yeah, we have done in the past pack drives where we've done drawings or we've had people donate uh, items. Uh, and then we have people throw in, you know, like like the first the first time we meet when we do our our general membership meeting. You know, I encourage people, like, hey, bring a dollar, bring five dollars, bring ten dollars. Just donate, donate something, you know, get involved. And uh, we did a couple blanket raffles. We've done a Michigan shaped chair uh, that was created and then donated. And then we raffled that off. So just, you know, getting people involved in the process, because once you get involved in the process, once staying in the process is here because you become used to it and just getting people to understand the outlaw, you know, the, the guidelines and what we do and why it's important. And that, you know, we, we do have a lot of Republican teachers in education. And I, I can piggyback on what Tammy said, you know, they sometimes feel like we only gear towards, you know, the Democrats. And that's not the case at all. It's what what people are have haven't have a belief in supporting public education um, and keeping public schools funded and open and functioning for all students. Excellent. So one of the things that I think comes up, well, a couple of things. First of all, I think when you're just the, an average member and you're not involved in your local governance at all, you're not a building rep, you're not an elected official in your union, sometimes it's easy to ignore all of the things that are going on behind the scenes that are there to support you. And one of the things that I think is interesting about the union is there are so many avenues of interest that you can have. So if you weren't really that interested in politics, you don't necessarily have to be involved other than to give to PAC and to vote the way it is recommended. 
If you're interested in something else like curriculum, it's important to understand, though, that even those other interests are influenced by political action, by political votes and by the legislature. So it's you can act like you're not interested in politics, but if you're in public education, you are part of the political system. And I think that's really important. Um, So I thought we could kind of end on a few of the burning questions that I thought people might be thinking as they're listening to this podcast. The first one is, I hate politics. What's the minimum that I can do to still be effective in moving my, my needs as a public educator forward? I think the bare minimum that you could do would be to donate to PAC. And vote. And vote. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, and so you had talked before about that we have some screened applicants. How do I know who those people are? Do I get an email? Do I have to call? It's always listed on the MEA website. Um, I think it's usually sent out in an email somewhere too, but you can always access it just by going to MEA.org. One of the things I did too as a teacher is, um, which I don't know that I recommend this, but when I lived in a district different than what I te- taught in, I would sometimes call that local office to ask for the local. The, who's, who are the school board candidates that you recommend if I don't know who I should follow? So that's an option too. Um, sometimes MEA doesn't recommend for every single position. Is that true? They, they always recommend if a screening and recommending at the local level has been held. Um, if they don't get enough members that volunteer to serve on a screening and recommending committee, then no recommendation can be made because we don't have members willing to participate in those interviews. Um, So again, like if someone's looking for a way to get involved, I mean, that's only something that you're going to do once for an election cycle. That might be a, a, a way that they could contribute some time. The other thing that I did, if there was no recommendation for either the reason that Tammy said, or just because it was an an issue that they didn't, didn't know, you know, that the mill, like if it's a a local ballot proposal or whatever is, I still read the League of Women Voters. Roger, are there other things like that, that give me sort of a nonpartisan view? Yeah. um, Anything that you're interested in, like you, you brought up a bunch of different, you know, viewpoints and, and, I think it's always really important that you don't vote against your best interest when it comes to your pocketbook. I mean, in, in basic social studies, we people vote because of their pocketbook. What What is going to keep me employed? Um, and so your other interests, sometimes you have to weigh out. What's, what's the, you know, what do I believe? Who do I support? What are some things that are important to me? And it really comes down to just a few hot button issues, but your pocketbook usually is number one. And so looking at those other, those other areas of interest that, that I might follow, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be definitely, especially in the world of social media, you know, those, those areas are going to reach out to me. They're going to let me know who we should be, you know, who you should be supporting. Um, And then you just have to wait, you have to make that personal choice. And then kind of my final question, and maybe Sky would want to start this and then anybody else can add in. If I am a teacher and or a, an educator in any capacity, an MEA member, and I wanted to get more involved beyond just donating PAC and voting the way the recommendations go, what would I do? Um, well, what I did was I went to my rep at my school and I asked, because every school has a, a representative, 
How can I get more involved? Um, what can I do? Um, and if they don't know, they're going to ask someone above them at your local what it is you can do. And they might even pass along your name. They might ask what it is you're interested in, you know, what committees you're, you're interested in serving on. They might even give you a list um, that you can choose from. Um, another thing is, is just to do your own research as well on, you know, even though MEA does, you know, all this for, you know, all this for you, do your own research um, into their educational beliefs um, in their politics. What are they saying, um, you know, at the local news station about education? What are they saying um, during, you know, these, these speeches that they're having? Um, yeah. Uh, if, it's not, if they're not brand new, they'll have a voting record. Exactly. Exactly. So you can always take a look at how they voted on, on previous issues. Mm-hmm. So I would also say, too, it, uh, as teachers, I feel like it's kind of our responsibility, too, um, when it comes to our students, teaching them that politics is important. I think that's, that's important as well as educators. And that's another way we can get into politics. We don't necessarily, obviously, we're not going to tell our students what they should, you know, what they should vote for or anything like that. But you can show them the importance of voting, um, show them how the process is. Um, I know sometimes government and the process can be a, a scary thing, right? Because who, who is involved in government on a day-to-day basis? Um, but once you learn about it, educate yourself and then teach your students because they're going to be the decision makers of tomorrow. So, Did anybody, if you could pick one key thing in Michigan public education right now that you think we should be thinking about and pushing as far as a legislative agenda, does anybody have one? We in our ledge councils did a lot of work drafting legislation to try and resolve some of the concerns of the teacher evaluation law. Um, I know that Senator Horn has a draft bill ready to go uh, that got postponed because of COVID and hasn't been reintroduced yet. So our teachers worked hand in hand with the legislator to draft these changes to the teacher evaluation bill. And so I guess on the top of my radar right now is just, I'm really hoping to see that get some movement um, now that, you know, the budget's been done and some of these other hot topics have, have been addressed, I'm hoping to see that come up next. Excellent. Sky or Roger, do you have one? That's I it. think I would also say teacher evaluations. Um, that's a big one for a lot of teachers, and they don't really even realize that that's a political thing. Um, and for all the reasons that we've stated before, you know, and um, maybe how many standardized tests our students are taking as well. Um, I've noticed a lot of anxiety over the years surrounded um, by standardized tests for these kids. Um, the kids have anxiety or the teachers? Both. <laughs> both. Um, you have to interrupt all of your instruction to give these standardized tests and make sure that all of your students take these standardized tests. So. I do think that is another big issue, but it's also tied to the evaluation system. Roger, do you have one? I'd say right to work. I think, you know, repealing some of those 
laws that were designed to really weaken the MEA and the AFT in the state of Michigan, not, not allowing teachers to strike. Um, our hands are tied. And, uh, you know, ultimately, if you continue to weaken the profession and, and weaken our voice and, you know, mem membership isn't, you know, membership's a key. And if you have people that slip through the cracks, aren't members and they're not getting information and they're not being educated, and then it just becomes a snowball down, you know, rolling down the hill of, of why we're bad. And when reality, the MEA is truly their fighting force each and every day in Lansing, you know, pushing, taking care of teachers, protecting teachers, working on behalf of teachers that want to work on behalf of students. Um, because as we get weaker or if we get weaker, we're going to be, you're going to have fewer people going into the profession and fewer people that really can advocate for students in the classroom and in the school day in and day out. We already are seeing the impact of that where people are not going into the profession. The most recent Title II data that I have is from, it's old, it's maybe 2014 or maybe even a little bit older than that. And enrollment in College of Ed programs in the state of Michigan is down 69%. And as the profession, as those of us who've been in the profession for a while start to age and retire out of the system, we don't have a pipeline of new teachers to come in and support us, which is why it's really important, especially as a new educator. And I understand that as a new educator, all educators are busy, but as new educators, you're maybe even feel a little bit more overwhelmed and a little bit more busy than maybe somebody who's been teaching the course for multiple years. But I think that is, that's the reason we wanted to talk about this today with this podcast geared towards aspiring and early career educators, because it's so important for them to make the profession the way they want it to be. It used to be that you went into teaching because you got a pension. You didn't make a lot of money, but you always had good insurance. The legislature passed PA 152, which changed the dynamics of your health insurance. Um, so now based upon that legislation, the district only pays a portion of your health insurance and you're responsible for paying the other portion. Now, of course, the salaries didn't change to compensate for that change in the insurance. Um, so now you, you still have the same salary schedules or similar salary schedules, but you've, you lack on that health insurance that you used to once have. The same is true with the Office of Retirement Services. It used to be that you went into education because you were going to have a really good pension at the end. Legislation is what's changed that so that that pension system is entirely a different structure now. Um, so I think a lot of the reasons why people aren't going into public education also has to do with politics. Absolutely. And you made me think of one key aspect of the stuff that you were talking about. There's still a narrative out there in the general public that teachers have all these great benefits and that teachers are, you know, have all this time off and that they have this great retirement and all of those, all of those things that we know are no longer true. So that's something else that as educators we need to do is make sure that we understand the facts and the talking points so that we can counter that narrative when we when we hear it, when you know your neighbors or your family members even start to talk about how what a cake job it is to teach. Because it's not. Definitely well, Sky, you're probably the best person to speak to that. You're our newest teacher, right? Do you feel like you walked into a cake job? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've slept since I've started. <laughs> definitely not. 
but at least the kids make it worth it for sure. (laughs) But that's why some of these political influences are so important because if we lose good teachers who have a passion for this, but want to try to do something else because it's just become so overwhelming with legislative controls and legislative laws that are just not conducive to making it work for our kids, then they're the ones who ultimately suffer. Exactly. I know so many new educators who have left within the first five years of their career um, because they couldn't handle it mentally, financially. And these are some teachers that I know are, I've seen them in the classroom. They're wonderful. They're great. Um, They just couldn't afford it. Um, Or they just weren't getting the support that they needed. And that's the thing I think I would like to leave people with is the the benefit, one of the many benefits of belonging to the MEA is it becomes this united voice in the pursuit of doing what's best for our students so that they can be successful. And to do that, we need to make sure that the teachers' needs are met as well, because our working conditions really are our kids' learning conditions. And I know that it sounds like that's just an easy phrase to throw out there in the public, but it really is true. And just because I was in a classroom as a student doesn't mean I have any idea what it's like to actually teach. So I appreciate everybody being here today and helping us understand a little bit more about the role of politics in education and how we can get involved. And I would recommend that everybody, as soon as you're done listening to this, send an email to your local president or to your UNISERV director and say, I am fired up and I wanna be involved in politics because I know that as a united voice, we can implement change. Thank you, Annette. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. much.